Welcome to First and 30. I'm Nick. And I'm Antonino. We're two 30-something-year-old guys who take the best ultimate reality television show in this hemisphere, American football, through four uncensored downs of mostly unbiased opinion and some analysis. In a game broken down into 10-yard segments, we take it with you one step at a time. That's First and 30. Let's Let's go go for it. it. Welcome to the First and 30 podcast, season two, episode number 15. You thought you were done with us, but you're wrong. We're back. And in this week's inaugural season two episode, Antonino, we're going to cover our end of season awards because in the mix of all the playoff chaos, the Super Bowl, we totally overlooked some of the big hardware that went out in the NFL with MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, those sorts of things. So we're going to cover those, but we are going to give our take on our selections of who is most deserving. We'll go through, on second down, some superlatives. We're also going to touch on the coaching carousel. There's been a lot of changes that have occurred over the past couple weeks. And then rounding things out, stick around because we're going to do tag or no tag. So we're going to play a little game with today officially being the start of the NFL season, and today meaning February 20th when we're recording this episode of the podcast. So that means franchise tagging has started. But, Antonino, I, I just spoke a lot. What are you thinking? What, what What's going on over with you, man? <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. I enjoy listening to you speak at all times. But uh, it is season two, like you said. And good news for everyone is that you don't have to wait a whole year to see new shows of your season. Like, you know, you watch all those uh, television programs and whatnot. You don't have to wait a year. You get us seven days later. So we give you what you want right here on this pod. Um, and we have, like you said, a long off season. Okay. One Sunday down, 28 Sundays to go without football. Man, that makes me sad just uh, saying it. <laughs> but but we're in this together. All right. We have this caravan. Feel free to hop on. We're gonna embark on this journey together through the desert, which is the off season, and we have a lot to go over, tons of good stuff throughout. So I'm excited for it. We're we're testing. Who are the true football fans out there? Out of our thousands of listeners, who's gonna stick through during the off season, during the dry, desolate point where Content seems scarce and nobody seems to care about what we're probably talking about anymore. <laughs> well, apparently that's not the case because we have listeners from Australia, India, the UK. There was a few others where I was uh, like, whoa, Hawaii was another one. So maybe shout outs, shout out to all these long distance uh, listeners. It's a, it's an honor to be in your ear holes. So thank you. That sounded weird. But anyways, <laughs> How about it, Anton? You know, first down, we're not doing high hopes. We're just going to hop right into first down. Our end of season award ceremony kicks off right now. We already know who won all the big high honors, but we're going to touch through in case you did not hear who won. We'll, we'll tell you who won the awards. And then, Antonino, you and I, let's give our picks on who we think was most deserving. Was it the person that actually won the award or was there somebody that got snubbed or overlooked so how about we just get this one out of the way the big award i usually we would save this for last but i think this one we might have some debate maybe no debate the mvp winner was lamar jackson baltimore ravens 
who did you think deserved this award? Yeah, this one I fought long and hard with right here. You know, I did not want to say Lamar Jackson, but the man did it all. And he played multiple positions, quarterback and running back. <laughs> and I think without him, the Ravens just didn't, wouldn't get to where they got. So yes, they had a good defense, but without Lamar, they're half the team of that. So definitely Lamar Jackson, MVP. I'm shocked. You're yeah. so critical of, you know, I this is yep. kind of beating a dead bush or whatever the expression is, but you, I thought you were going to slam him. You, you, you agreed. He should have won MVP. I mean, that was my pick. I, I didn't disagree with that either, but surprised that you went that route. Yeah, I was fully prepared to literally list out every Bengals player for each each one of these awards, but I digress. Yeah, I was thinking Jake Browning for almost <laughs> saving the Bengals season, but not quite saving it. So, okay. No surprises to get things started. That's kind of boring. MVP, Lamar Jackson. What about Offensive Player of the Year? The winner was Christian McCaffrey. Do you think he was the man for the award? You know, I'm I love Christian McCaffrey. So yes, I'm a clear CMC deserves this. That's that's my vote. How about you? Boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I I thought long and hard about my pick here. And my natural reaction said McCaffrey too, but that's boring. You know, there was a guy that I had been praising all season long who I think was deserving of this award. And that man was Tyreek Hill. And mm-hmm. here's my reason why. Because if you recall, I think it was like episode 10 or something, right in early December, before Tyreek Hill got his injury, I was saying he was in my MVP front runner. Now, he injured himself in week 14 against the Titans, right after he torched Washington the week before. So after that injury, we saw the Dolphins just plummet. Their, their production plummeted. To his production plummeted. So to me, that shows how valuable of a player Tyreek was. And they missed a game. He missed a game against the Jets, which ultimately didn't matter. The the Dolphins destroyed the Jets in that game. But when you're thinking about the value that these guys bring, I think with McCaffrey out of the, the lineup for the Niners, you still have guys that would come into that system and perform well. Not at McCaffrey's level. I'm not saying that he's not deserving of it, but... I think the value that Tyreek Hill provides to that offense supersedes McCaffrey's. So that's yeah, my opinion. I like that. I like that. I almost want to switch my vote. That was a very good explanation. Ah, yes. Got you swayed. All yes. right. Uh, what about defensive player of the year? Miles Garrett won the award. Who did you think deserved this? Okay. This one, I'm going to kind of stray from the the winner here. Oh, I'm, going, go. I'm going with TJ Watt. Okay. And Ooh. after they announced the winner is Miles Garrett, TJ Watt actually posted something on Twitter, which is now X, that uh, I'm used to this. Something around those lines, kind of <laughs> throwing shade that he should have won the award. And I personally believe that. He had 19 sacks this year. He led the league. And if you want to compare him to Miles Garrett, he never disappeared in the big moments because, as you saw in the playoff game, Miles Garrett was MIA and they got torched. But TJ Watt, even on a team that struggled in the Steelers, every game you knew he was there. He affected the entire opposing team's game plan. So TJ Watt, game wrecker, led the league with 19 sacks, should have got defensive player of the year. I don't hate it. Yeah, I agree. I I, I was considering Watt too. Uh, but I went ahead and I chose somebody else. And people are going to say I'm a homer here. Mm-hmm. I went with Deron Bland. The, oh. the 
cornerback for the Cowboys. That's the guy who had all the pick sixes. He had five pick sixes, nine interceptions, which you don't see that. So it's the thing of the value that this guy put on the the field. He scored five times. No defense. That that was a record, man. Like, a, not even offensive players score touchdowns. I know. He got five of them. Like think of the value that you're providing to your defense when not only are you getting turnovers, but you're scoring on turnovers. So, but here's here's the problem though. Just like the MVP award, defensive player of the year has become a biased selection of edge rushers and interior linemen. So out of the, the past 10 defensive players of the year, only one was a DB, and that was Stefan Gilmore, who's also with the Cowboys now. But, yeah, man, like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I know a little bit of a homer, but that's justified. I think so, too. Uh, how about lightning round? Uh, let's just go through offensive rookie of the year. Winner was C.J. Stroud. I pick C.J. Stroud. Oh, man. Rookie of the year. I know quarterback's a big uh, position, but Puka Nakua, man, the Rams would be nothing without him because they uh, had that Cooper Cup injury to start the year. Puka surprised everyone, kept them kind of having hopes, and it went from rebuilding to competing just like that. So Puka, rookie of the year. I like it. Defensive rookie of the year winner was Will Anderson Jr. I went with Kobe Turner, the the interior lineman for the Rams. He had nine sacks. Yeah, good with either of those. They're both beasts. Okay. Uh, Coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski for Cleveland. I, we both agree. Come on, D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, yeah, that should have been the winner. They, they, they shafted him on this one. He should. Have yeah, won. that was crazy. Come on, first year head coach, winning the AFC South, ten and seven with a rookie quarterback. That was baloney. And yep. then uh, final one, comeback player of the year, winner was Joe Flacco. Do we both pick Demar Hamlin? I mean, the guy died on the football field a year ago, and he's he was back on the roster. Yeah, um, man, Flacco, he threw three, 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions, womp, womp. Hamlin, he died. I get it, but Baker Mayfield should have won the award. Oh, right? what the? I'm Baker. putting my foot down. He threw 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, had over 4,000 yards, and he was like a backup with Carolina the year before, and he randomly got picked up by the Rams for a couple weeks. The dude was like nowhere in the league, and he just put up huge numbers. So I'm Baker Mayfield, comeback player of the year. All right. I like it. Well, that that's it. That That is our end-of-season award ceremony delivered by the First and 30 crew. All right, Antonino, second down. We're going to go through our end-of-the-year superlatives. So superlatives meaning, you know, the best of or the worst of, the most likely to be successful, that sort of thing. So maybe we just hit on a few here. We don't have to get into too many, but... Was there any superlative that you had in mind that you wanted uh, to share? Oh, geez. The biggest bust. I like using the word bust because it's just, you just feel it. Bust. Bryce Young, Carolina Panthers. The offense was putrid. Okay. They signed Miles Sanders. They didn't utilize him. They, uh, they signed a couple guys at receiver. They just had nothing going for them all year. Terrible year. Nothing they did worked. Worst bust of the season, hmm. Carolina okay. and uh, Bryce Young. Okay, uh, I don't think there were high expectations for them. So, but uh, yeah, why not? What about this one? The team that didn't live up to our expectations entering the season. So basically, a team coming into the year that we had high hopes for, that we thought was going to do well, maybe a Super Bowl contender that didn't live up to those expectations. I've got one for you, Anton. You know. 
This one mm. came up right away for me when I was over here brainstorming. How about the the Cincinnati Bengals? Oh god. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were gonna say the Dallas Cowboys for very oh, no, similar no, no, no. reasons. They they lived up to their expectations. <laughs> I thought they were gonna blow it, so that 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 was okay. No, the Bengals. Come on. Do you do you remember when you and I were dreaming bright eyed, bushy tailed before the season started? Wouldn't it be great if the Cowboys and Bengals made the Super Bowl? Out of both of the teams, I thought realistically the Bengals had a better shot than Dallas. Who would have thought the Bengals would start the season off one and three while Burrow was still in the lineup? They, I mean, dude, that was Super rough. Disappointing. Super <laughs> disappointing. Yeah, they started the year off slow. Joe Burrow did injure his calf in the preseason, didn't get any of spring training in, missed all the preseason games again because one year he missed it with ACL. Um, it's just, and then the other other year he took his appendix out. Um, so he's healing from that. So he's never had a full training camp, but the, yeah, the first three or four games he was feeling that we started pretty rough and, but yes, disappointing hundred percent. Actually, I agree with you. Um, we had high expectations and we didn't, we didn't come through. It's too bad. What about also, so I'm, I'm thinking of another one here. This is going to be so poignant, too, because I'm, like, setting this. This is what superlatives are about, though. So the most hyped player and or team entering the season that let us down immediately once the season began. So I'm thinking of a team that people were talking a lot of hype about at the beginning of the year before the season started, saying that they were going to be contenders. And then right when the season starts, they are just done. Done when it began. (laughs) Man, you, you saying immediately makes me think of a certain injury. <laughs> uh, I'm going Aaron Rodgers in the Ooh, Jets. What geez. too? I mean, Antonino, I've never seen anything like this. The type of hype that Rodgers was getting. First of all, the guy's like 40 years old. He's past his prime. I guess everybody forgot his last season in Green Bay was pretty mediocre. Even statistically, I think it was like one of his worst season statistically but no that doesn't matter because now he's with the jets he's going to turn this thing around the jets are going to go win a super bowl we're going to showcase him on the opening night what was it monday night football he's going to run out there with the american flag that was his biggest highlight of the season him yeah he, t- he turned into a meme yeah <laughs> i hate to laugh about it i don't want to laugh at somebody else's dismay and misery but ooh, Love yeah well. Right, what two plays, two snaps in, torn Achilles, jet season goes down in flames, seven and ten, like always, and missing the playoffs. Which, by the way, my father in law owes me a dinner because we made a bet on that at the beginning of the year. I said, They're not gonna make the playoffs, man. He's like, No, they will. Bet you a dinner. So you might have to take him up on that offer again this year if he's feeling confident. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, hey, how about one more? Do you have any on your end? Uh, biggest flop. Uh, I would say the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they were eight oh, and yeah. three at one point and missed yep. the playoffs. That's the biggest collapse uh, that we've seen in a very long time. I think they had a ninety percent chance to make the playoffs at one point and they missed out. So disaster. Yep. Yeah, lost five out of the last six games. They were seeming to be a team coming in the season two that a lot of people had as like contenders, but yeah. uh, big big flop. I agree. Yeah. Cool. Well. That's kind of like the awards segment. We we went through the honors and now our superlatives. But how about third and long, Antonino? Let's talk about some of these coaching carousel moves. And I just want to do a little game out of this. 
how about we play better or worse? So out of some of these moves that have recently happened with head coaches or coordinators that have gone else off elsewhere, I'm going to ask you from those list of names, are the teams better or worse off than they were before with these changes? You want okay. to do, do down and play? Let's do it. All right. I think the first one, and I'm, I'm excited about this one, because we talked about this guy so much, and you're you're reporting on him in the the locker room over there in Georgia. <laughs> good times, good times. Arthur Smith. He was fired by Atlanta. Went twenty one and thirty in three seasons with the Falcons. He was actually hired as Pittsburgh's offensive coordinator. So I want to know. Well, in Atlanta, they hired Raheem Morris, who was the defensive coordinator at Tampa Bay. So for for both of these teams, the Falcons are they better or worse? with Raheem Morris in as head coach instead of Arthur Smith? And are the Steelers better or worse with Arthur Smith as their <laughs> offensive coordinator? <laughs> That's just a silly question to ask. But Arthur Smith, so long, sucker. <laughs> a- a- Atlanta is so much better now. Raheem Mo- Morris is a respected uh, coach, been around the league a long time. Um, he's been in Atlanta before. Perfect fit. Atlanta got better. Okay. Um, Pittsburgh, I'm so glad he went there for personal reasons. I cannot wait to see that offense go straight into the flames. So they got worse. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we're we not big Arthur Smith fans over here for various reasons. Only the mustache I like, but that's it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, there's a few big ones here. So Seattle and Pete Carroll decided to part ways mutually, but we we all know what that means. Seattle pushed <laughs> Pete Carroll out uh, without him wanting to, but to make it look better, it was mutual. Mm-hmm. So Seattle then went ahead and hired Baltimore's defensive quarter, Mike McDonald, who will now be the youngest head coach in the league at 36. And the Ravens had to go ahead and hire Zach Orr to replace McDonald. So I want to know, Antonino, are the Seahawks – Better or worse with Mike McDonald as their head coach instead of Pete Carroll, who led them to their franchise's only Super Bowl victory? Yeah, the Seahawks actually got better. People don't talk about, they don't talk, you remember the Legion of Boom, their defense was Mm -hmm. really good. They are so far away from that right now. So I think getting a defensive coach in here is just what they needed. Um, they got gashed a lot this year. Um, their offense is doing well with Geno Smith. So I think defensive coach was just what they needed. Pete Carroll was getting up there in years. Fresh face, fresh voice, I think is just what they needed. And then uh, Baltimore, obviously, losing their coach. Um, that hurts Baltimore for sure. How about one more, and then we'll just touch on the other big moves. But Washington fires Ron Rivera. They then go ahead and hire... Dallas's defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. Dallas then goes ahead and hires Mike Zimmer to replace Dan Quinn. <laughs> so is Washington better or worse with hiring Dan Quinn? And what about Dallas? Are they better or worse or maybe just the same? The Ron Rivera, poor guy. Riverboat Ron. They 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 crashed his boat, all right. But here they bring in Dan Quinn, and the guy couldn't stop a nosebleed against the Packers in the playoffs. I mean, Dallas's defense wasn't exactly the best defense, but I do like Dan Quinn as a coach, and I would imagine he's better than Ron Rivera. So I guess they got a little bit better. Um, and then Dallas, I really like that signing of Mike Zimmer. He used mm. to coach with the Bengals, believe it or not, as a defensive coordinator. Yeah. 
put up great defenses, some of the best defenses the Bengals ever had. He's super discipline-oriented, um, great coach. So I think that'll be a plus for Dallas. This is his second stint with the Cowboys, too. He was their defensive coordinator back in the Parcells days in the early 2000s. So I, I'm a fan of it, if my opinion matters at all. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the move. Uh, for Washington, I, I don't think Dan Quinn was their guy. I think they kind of settled on him, but is what it is. Uh, well, how about we hop into the next down, but before we do, the other big moves, in case people weren't aware... Bill Belichick, parts ways with New England. Gerard Mayo steps in. I Do you want to do a better or worse for that real quick? I mean, it's Belichick. He's a legend. How are you going to – you can't Man, even. It's tough. They got they hired the in-house guy. Doesn't move the needle. They just had a bad team. So regardless who's coaching, I don't think it's moving the needle either way with this one. Yeah, I don't think they wanted Belichick's reputation maybe to be tarnished too much mm -hmm. longer. Those were some bad roster he has there. And then uh, the last big one that I would want to – even mention here is uh Jim Harbaugh. Yes. Leaving Michigan, taking the the LA Chargers job. I I think we can both probably agree they're better. So much better. I'm glad you saved this for last because I really feel like out of all these coaches changing places, this is the best one specifically for Justin Herbert. I think he's going to unlock his potential. They just He just won a championship at Michigan. He got to the Super Bowl at the 49ers, and he comes to a Chargers team that has the weapons. They have players all over the defense. They got Justin Herbert. They could be a threat next year. So save this. Remember this next year. You might see them in the playoffs. I like it too. Yep. He he was so successful even with the Niners. So yeah, I think I think this was a good move for the Chargers. All right, man. It's fourth and forever now. I, I'm sorry. I was just so anxious to get to this one. This is what I was <laughs> looking forward to the most. I don't know why. Same. Tag or not. So for this segment, we're gonna go through the list of some of the big unrestricted free agents and then decide if they're worthy to receive that hefty franchise tag or not. Not typically meaning the team's going to let them hit the open market. That way they can be tendered by other teams. So we have a pretty cool list here. I'd be curious to, to get your feedback, Anton. You know, are you ready to play the game? Tag I'm, or not? <laughs> I'm putting my owner hat on, and I'm going to pretend like yeah. I'm the one that has all this money and I'm making these decisions. So have at it. All right. How about we kickstart with Saquon Barkley, running back for the New York Giants. His franchise tag value is estimated to be around $11.3 He did sign the franchise tag, or it was a one-year deal with the Giants last year for about $10 million, so it would be a slight bump in pay. Are you tagging him, or are you not? You going to let him walk? He's going to walk into my office, and I'm going to say, Bye, Felicia. See you never. <laughs> The running back market, the value has diminished, okay? You can get a running back in the draft that will give your team pop. Someone that's agile, can catch out of the backfield, and do everything at a fraction of the cost. Not only that, Saquon Barkley gets hurt every single year. So it's time to move on from that. They should have moved on from Daniel Jones. That's another problem. But free up that money. You have a lot of holes on that roster. You don't need to tie that into an injury-prone running back. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of big-name backs in free agency, though, too. Maybe we can just focus on some of these other guys here that I have on our list. So you're you're letting Saquon walk. He is getting up there in age, too. Probably would do the same thing. 
So how about Austin Eckler with the Chargers? You going to tag him or not? Again, franchise tag value is going to be about the same, $11.3 million in that ballpark. I know this one kind of hurts you on the inside because you had Eckler on your fantasy team. No, let's not talk about it. <laughs> so I think he let a lot of people down this year from a fantasy perspective and from a uh, the NFL performance perspective. So no, pass. Yep, I'm I'm hard passing. He's <laughs> going to be what, like 29, 30? That's ancient in running back years, yep. especially when you – when you just mentioned you can go ahead and draft a 21-year-old guy for a fraction of this, that's mm -hmm. probably going to be better producing. All right, one more running back that I have on our list here. My guy, Tony Pollard. He Ooh. was tagged last season, did not look like himself. The tag would be about $11 million, which, again, it's about a million dollars more than what he made this past year. Tag or not? No tag. Yeah, that injury really set him back. Great running back, but he just wasn't the same last year. So no, no tag. Well, yeah. here's the. This is what the market might look like. These three guys might be in the market. Derrick Henry's rumored that to be a big cut candidate. There's a few other names that are are getting twirled around, like Alvin Kamara might be a cut candidate. So you might be seeing a ton of big name backs just sitting around in the the open market. Okay. How about we touch on a wide receiver and a guy close to home for you? Mm. You know, you know who it is. T. Higgins. He's T. going to cost the Bengals about twenty million dollars to franchise tag. He's notorious with injuries. Really mm. has he kind of disappears in some games too, but he has that number one receiver capability. Are you tagging him or not? You gonna let him walk or try to keep him? Yeah, I'm gonna preface this with uh we all know we want him to stay, but for 20 mil, I'm going to have to say sorry, T. See you later. Because like you said, he's injury prone. He missed, I think, four games this year. But not only that, he did deal with drops. People don't talk about this. He started the year. He dropped a ton of passes. He was actually 14th in the NFL with drops, with seven drops. Um, wow. So between the injuries, the drops, and he kind of did go missing in some games. If we can get him back with a friendly deal, fine. But the tag, no thank you. Yeah. So right now you haven't tagged a single player. You're you're keeping that franchise tag close to the belt. Yeah, the franchise tag as a whole is not something that really benefits a franchise. You know, it's a risk. It's a one year guaranteed for the player, short term deal, but it's not a smart decision because you're paying the player an average of the top five salaries of that position. So it has to be a game changer that's hard to find. Yeah, I agree. How about a few more receivers on here? Mike Evans, tagging him or not, twenty million, twenty-one million. Uh, about. I love the guy, and he perform every year. He he performs, but twenty mil for a receiver that's 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 too rich. Try and try and sign him to a team friendly deal. There, he wants to stay in Tampa. Okay, so you're you're basically like no receiver is going to be worth twenty. What about Michael Pittman? So that's a that's a name. A young receiver had a great year with Indy. 20.7 million for the franchise tag. You, you tagging him or no, too? I'm not tagging him either. There's oh, no wow. tags here. I'd be terrible at a game of tag. You know, <laughs> obviously, I'm not tagging him. You're anyone. not it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no tag. You know what? Now, now I want the mission to be which player can I get Anthony, you know, to sign that franchise tag or, or offer that tender to? And I think there's only one name on this list. My one tag of this offseason would be. None other than Kirk Cousin. Do you like that? Uh, 
36 million to tag him, which he was making 35 million last season. So it wouldn't be that big of a difference. He's just such a great locker room presence. He plays Creed for the boys in the locker room. Uh, just yeah. like we play Creed. <laughs> the guy just elevates everyone around him. He is coming off the injury, but you know the quarterback market right now. They're making like 40, 50 million, like if you're elite. So 36, it's high, but I think it's worth it for our guy, Kirk. Okay. I like it. You know what? I, I want to leave it at that. There was a few more names on here, but I don't want you to just go through and say that you're not going to tag these guys. For context, for, uh, for the listeners, other big-named free agents that could be on that franchise tag look looking offer sheet would be Chris Jones for the Kansas City Chiefs, but his franchise tag would be about $32 million, so everybody's expecting them to let him walk. Uh, Justin... Oh my gosh, Ravens fans. I do not know how to pronounce his last name. What is it? Mad Madu, Madabuki? Mad- <laughs> that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. Justin Madabuki. Let's go with that. He's uh he had a great season. Pro bowler, 21 million to tag him. I think he's a tag candidate. They they would probably keep a young interior defensive lineman around. Yeah, we're talking millions of dollars about to be exchanged here in the next week. So we'll see what happens. Yes, we will. Well, Antonino. I think that does it, man. We oh, want to wrap man. this thing up. Already? It goes by so quick. I know. I, I could keep going. We should extend these to an hour. Jeez. Well, <laughs> all I know is well, I'll see you guys on the next one. The next one's always the best one. Oh, I like that. I, you like that? <laughs> do you like that? <laughs> do you like that? <laughs> uh, I do. Well, thank you all for joining us for another episode of the First and 30 Podcast. Until next week, remember, when your number's called, no matter the odds, just go for it. <laughs>